So I'm going to record and I think if you can record on your side too, that might be a good. Uh, Let me figure out how to do it. You want to Are you recording right now? Yeah, I, I just I just said it, um, which is at like the bottom toolbar. Yep. It says, uh, please ask the host to give you permission to record. Okay. Um, how do I do that? Let's see. Um, okay. I think it should allow you to do it now. Yep. Okay. Hey, uh, it's recording now? Yeah, I think everything is everything is good now. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm, uh, how am I doing? I'm doing I'm doing okay. I um I haven't done that much this morning. I, I'm having some oh, yeah. some iced coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't done it so much either. I just dropped off some compost and uh, mailed out some stuff. Something crazy. How is Chicago right now? It's, um, it's, I mean, weather-wise, it's snow. It's, uh, or it's, oh, it's really? snow. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure how it is. It's, um, I'm, I'm living a very, um, yeah, local, small life. Um, what does that entail? Just hanging out a lot at home and going to the grocery store when you need to? Yeah, essentially, the grocery store, the local cafes, uh, to pick up coffee, kind of, um, kind of an unnecessary. It, it's it seems strange. Like um, I don't know why I'm buying coffee when I can make it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Yeah, going on walks and um, my sleep schedule keeps getting, I have to be careful because it keeps getting kind of reversed where I Oh yeah, up, how so? Sleep I end up, during the day? Yeah, yeah. Um, which has always been a, a, like a, can happen to me and then it's hard to yeah. get it back. Um, Is it because you can't sleep at night or you're, you don't go to sleep until late? I, I think it's like, yeah, I, I don't go to sleep until late and, and then it keeps uh, getting later. I think it's a way, I think it comes from a couple of things. Like some, I think that sometimes um, I'm best at like getting things done if I feel that I'm late, you know? Oh um, yeah, uh-huh. And night kind of makes that happen. Or something mm. like, uh, um, yeah, induces you, induces the kind of panic or something that <laughs> that lights a fire for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to be like in danger. Um, <laughs> Do you uh, are you normally like a creative person at night or in the morning or? Yeah, probably. You know, like probably at night. I associate it with like. Yeah, privacy and then like 
it, it, uh, when things aren't all shut down, night shuts mm -hmm. everything down. Um, and yeah. so like, like the coffee thing, it's sort of like a vestigial, like somewhat like less useful, just sort of habit um, to, you know, because, uh, because those distractions don't exist in the day either now. Um, yeah. That's how it is for me too. No distractions and I don't have any excuses to not do something. Mm -hmm. and most people are doing their own thing or what have you so yeah i feel you is your life pretty like um small and local too pretty much uh, i just moved in with my girlfriend a couple of months ago we live in the city now she was living in manhattan before and i was living in brooklyn and it's definitely different it feels i don't know i can't explain it because it's not new york in the way that i know it but it's, you know, you leave, you leave the house and you go out and see all the normal things, but it's not as bustling. It's not as loud. Mm -hmm. You know, all the bars close at 10 here, which is good and bad. And I don't know, it's, it's not a New York that I'm, I'm used to, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of, um, it's also been nice not feeling all these social obligations either in a weird way. Yeah. I feel conflicted about that, like not going to as many art openings or things like that that you feel like you have to go to for whatever reason. I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Still trying to kind of wrap my head around it, but mostly I stay at my apartment and and do things. Yeah. So it is pretty local in that sense, yeah. You deliver compost, like... Um from you did you uh is it your compost like, yeah did you, yeah did you, we just okay you made it in they have sense. this like yeah yeah <laughs> we uh um there's this thing down the street from our apartment and we um every monday we just go drop it off in some some barrels and then they compost it for us basically so it's cool it's nice to have that you know it feels weird throwing all that stuff in the in the regular trash mm -hmm. and then it goes into a garden like your garden or some other garden i'm understanding I that so okay yeah that's i mean that's how traditionally compost works you know usually it just goes to go it goes back into like enriching soil basically mm -hmm. and then a lot of people use that to to make gardens and and such so there was a like a citywide thing in brooklyn that uh um, that was a composting initiative and that stopped recently but I don't know what they did with all of that compost hmm. I don't know I always wondered if there was just a like a landfill equivalent somewhere in New Jersey that they dumped it all in I have no <laughs> idea did you grow up in in um in New York you said you're from um, no. Brooklyn are you were in you were living in Brooklyn was that I was living in Brooklyn. Okay. But no, I uh, I grew up in Vermont, and then lived a bunch of different places, like in uh, Portland, Oregon, for a long time. I lived in uh, Sacramento, California, for a minute, and Pensacola, mm. Florida, for a little bit, and Boston mm -hmm. too. So I've been around a bunch of different places. Yeah, and you you do so you that's do. What, uh, sorry, um, what were you gonna say? 
<laughs> oh, I was just going <laughs> to, that's why I'm excited about compost because I lived in Portland, Oregon. And that's, if okay. you've ever been there, you would understand it's kind of a crunchy town. And I, I don't know, I like those types of things. Yeah, I was in the Portland. composting initiative and such. You were in Portland when? For for a few days, for a few days. So oh yeah, um, I didn't get the full experience, but I was probably recently. Attracted. Mm, I think um, three three years ago. Yeah. Um, I drove well, there. I drove there on like a whim. I think I drove to Sacramento oh, yeah. first. Yeah, from LA. I just was driving and then uh, reached Sacramento and then thought I would just keep going. And- Oh, that's pretty far <laughs> away from Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess San Francisco first and I think briefly and then Portland and then Seattle for like a day. Por Portland I gave like three days because I wanted something to happen or something. I wanted, um, um i had like an idea that i would like portland and um but i didn't know i think i probably did know people but i didn't tell them that i was there oh yeah and i just kind I of say, there used to be there used to be a kind of a big kind of like comic scene alternative comic scene there yeah i think that you has know, some, something think... to do with uh why it was attractive to me um yeah but you didn't meet any of those people or meet up with any of them no, for, for some reason. Um, hmm. well, well, one reason is that uh, those people did leave by then um, mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think I could have talked to, I could have maybe met Jason Overby. Um, oh, yeah. He's really nice. I like that guy. I haven't seen him in years, but he's cool. Yeah, I, I, I need to talk with him some more. Um, I owe him some correspondence. Um, mm -hmm. it, it seems like he just returned to returned to comics recently. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, In terms of his like output being more um, more extensive. Yeah, I think that uh, he posted about a a forthcoming uh, book and posted some pages, and he had sort of. Oh, um, cool. It had not been doing that as much, I think because of, um, of I guess I imagine, I feel a bit strange uh, talking about him because I haven't talked directly to him enough, but um, mm. having, a, having a child, I think is kind of how I imagine where Yeah, I think he has a couple of kids actually. So I imagine that would take up a lot of your time. Yeah. But maybe like aging, uh, they've aged a bit. Maybe that gives oh, more yeah. time. It's, uh, yeah, totally. Um, oh, that's good. I always loved his comics. Yeah. Were, I thought they were kind of, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain them. I was always really excited about them. I liked his, his drawing style and the, I don't know, the way he made marks was really nice. And yeah, it seemed like quaintly existential if that means anything <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah all these like walks like uh his character constantly mm, changing and uh each Just kind of dissolving yeah 
or like a becoming kind of a whirlwind of impressions like altered by the world um mm. yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it um so do you yourself make comics too i i do uh, most of what's what could be seen are kind of fragmented short um drawn comics um i i have like a and i'm working on a i'm working on a book currently but um i have like a, a long yeah a long kind of um like i'm compelled some for some reason toward it while uh while frustrated with um a lot of a lot of both the um direct practice of 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 making it and uh and then certainly um with the space of comics culturally and uh, as a as an industry um but i've i've been like one thing is that i draw i end up drawing myself a lot in comics mm -hmm. even though mm -hmm. it's not necessarily um what i would like to do it's like um it's a it's a compulsion uh, and uh and then i have to like work through it or try to um stop myself all the time from doing just that um, why would you stop yourself um because of some notion that eventually the, all that 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 stops me that that the compulsion itself stops me from um doing other things that, that that i have like explicit ideas for but it's as if mm -hmm. like picking up a, the pencil to do something specific so frequently um devolves <laughs> into into this kind of um reflection thing mirror yeah thing. yeah it, i think it's interesting in itself and, and it's like an interesting sort of conflict um but i have to believe that the conflict is real and that i have to like overcome it somehow i guess when it when i well, realize maybe. it i can be free <laughs> huh well, you think there's any chance of just like leaning into it and finding out through doing that rather than avoiding it, like doing more of it rather than avoiding it? Yeah, I mean, I, that is what I'm uh, doing. I'm, I'm going through it. Yeah. Um, like uh, the the book um, is that, uh, is, is leaning into it. Um, hmm. But with this like eventual hope, I guess, I guess of uh, of being able to diversify. <laughs> um, it's it's a funny thing because yeah, I am interested in it. Um, at, at the same time, it um, it feels like a kind of problem. Um, That's interesting. I feel like I've spent so many years making these silkscreen paintings, and I've 
gotten some kind of I've always had an affinity for silk screening, but I've had the urge recently to to branch out and do like drawing or just, you know, traditional oil painting, but I can't separate myself and I, I feel like I can't allow myself to uh, make oil paintings for whatever reason. Like I still am weirdly stuck on this silkscreen idea and mm -hmm. only making paintings through the silkscreen process, which is obviously only a rule that I'm making up that affects me. Nobody cares, nobody, like, it doesn't matter what I make, but for some reason, I'm still stuck in this zone. Mm -hmm. And like, or if this feeling of, that those are the only tools that I can use to get to somewhere else or to make something that I want to make. So it's this weird, um, you know, you know, maze that I've made for myself, trying to figure out new ways to use it, new ways to think about images through those things or through uh, silk screening rather. And so I guess that's what I was wondering, like, because that's a question that I ask myself, you know, either stop it all together or just like keep going with it and, you know, go through it until it, you come to some other realization. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does seem, um... It does seem as if um, there. It does seem as if um, there have been kind of drastic changes in your work while that remains. Oh yeah, yeah. That's interesting to hear. Because yeah, um, how do you interpret that? How do you? Uh, how does that come about for you? Or like, how do you? you know what I mean? Do Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like uh, when I say that. Like, um, well, yeah, I was asking where you see that, where you see the the, the changes happening. Well, there is for me, I'm just too far into it. Sometimes it's, you know, I see one thing being the same as the other, even though it may not look visually the same. Well, it seems as if um, text and image have emerged from, mm -hmm. from the texture, um, the blank, mm -hmm. the you, 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 yeah, yeah. And that seems kind of dramatic within mm -hmm. having done well, images for is, such a long time. Yeah, I mean, the text is, is, it's definitely text and it's hard to read it without it being the text itself, but it kind of is weirdly an image also. Mm -hmm. So, and by that, I mean, I've always kind of, you know, with some of, I've always used images and always thought about images, even the ones that are like quote unquote abstract. I still think about those as kind of being images um, within themselves. And I don't mean just like the end painting. I mean, in like, uh, I was trying to think about just dissolved images and thinking about how, the, you know, I always use CMY, like, which is part of the CMYK kind of printing process. So I always thought about those as having it in, like those colors being an index to images and image distribution. Mm -hmm. So even though those paintings were abstract and they were definitely supposed to be, you know, seen in person and experienced as paintings, I always thought about them as images as well. And the text came about because of, you know, I was doing a show with a friend and we, um, we were doing a, a, a screening, like a video screening 
um, and for one night of the show. And I was like, well, I'll make a painting just for one night to project these images on as if it's like a, you know, projection screen. Mm. And then one of them was called Destroy Yourselves, which is an old like French film from these people. Um, like, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it by my, um, Zanzibar was like the short-lived film group that was uh, that made it. it was, uh, one of the members was Olivier Mosset, who's a, a painter. Um, but so we just we screened that and we projected it onto one of my paintings. And then I was just thinking like, oh well, why don't I just screen like make a painting that says "Destroy Yourselves" anyway, you know? So it became this image of something else. Like it. There's always indexical um, things within the, my paintings, whether it's like the paintings itself getting photographed and then reprinted into something different or something along those lines, like of the destroyer. So, did you um, did you design that um, the typeface and everything? Yeah, or did you select the typeface, or did was it? Um... I guess it probably wasn't found that way. It wasn't found saying those exact words, but it, it was, you know, uh, in French in that typeface. So I just found the typeface and wrote, translated it, I guess, into English. Okay. So kind of found, kind of, it was kind of constructed, kind of found, kind of, you know, repurposed, however you want to call it, somewhere in the middle of the yeah there's a um were you able to find this is uh kind of just uh you were able to find the font through like um yeah. some sort of service <laughs> what, is it? what the font or whatever that okay, is called okay, where you, okay. you know yeah 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 um so indexical systems referring to printing um comes from so you you generate the paintings uh, you generated your earlier paintings through pushing paint through like a blank screen yeah yeah and so there was no um there was no indexical image in that sense but weirdly, they look like photocopies. Mm -hmm. So I just thought I'll just treat them as such. And so there wasn't necessarily an index with that, but it was a reference in the real world that then gave kind of like structured a way to, to use them or distribute them, I guess. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the early ones were eight and a half by 11 because they were just the size of the paper that was there. And then when I scaled up, I just kind of kept that same aspect ratio. So it was just easy to kind of keep making things and I didn't have to ask questions about which size and things like that. Yeah, it's kind of a funny way of looping, I guess the uh, kind of the comparatively like um, high, high quality, like the screen print um, approach to, um, to reference the low quality um, Xerox print. 
the machine print like the which yeah. uh, seems to i guess reference um could reference like zine culture um definitely i mean and that's kind of what i came out of as well you know it made zines i had been going to music shows and stuff like that and all of, you know growing up in the 90s doing that that's what you were surrounded by you know yeah. so it felt second nature to me in that way and i also kind of liked that you know these things were technically monoprints but they were looking like something else in the world so it got really confusing in that way yeah and it felt like it was kind of uh, carving, they were kind of carving their own kind of uh, space in the world rather than just being something that had already uh, was easily defined, I guess. What did they mark sort of your debut in sort of gallery art spaces? Um, Sorry, say that again, did they what? Did you sort of debut like in, in gallery spaces with that approach or did you um, uh, move through a, a couple of other a, things? Um, I, well, I did some shows in Portland um, here and there and what have you. And then I went to grad school in New Jersey and then that's kind of, that's when I started making those paintings that we're talking about. And, mm -hmm. um, and then kind of, that was around, you know, like 2010, 2011. So that was when, you know, a lot of people from Tumblr were doing things and started to, it started to all culminate into a lot of different things. Uh, so I don't know how to, yes and no, I guess. It's like I was showing stuff in Portland, but not at galleries per se. I mean, like full-fledged commercial galleries. It was like, my you know a copy shop or my friend's gallery in the garage or whatever right. and pre pre-grad school um yeah it's like the divider um what what um yeah what were people when you say people were uh doing things on tumblr what do you what comes to mind well what, i feel like I knew about your Tumblr and a bunch of other people's stuff. Like it just seemed like there were little pockets of people that were doing things like in Chicago. I knew Brad Trammell who was doing the jogging. I met him through Tumblr. One of my best friends here, I met through Tumblr. So it's just like he was living in Philadelphia. There's like a lot of different things came about from that. I don't know. It just felt like there were pockets of people that were really active at around 2009 to 2011. And uh, I don't know, we're just sharing things. There was nothing, it was just, that was the, the time on the internet, I guess. That's what you did. Yeah, yeah. I've been, um, it's kind of funny, uh, uh, yeah. Um, following, there's so much ire for, for Brad, Brad Trammell. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't quite get it. Um, people are so easy to make angry. Um, but I guess that's sort of the thing. Yeah. That's sort of the... That's maybe the time we're living in, honestly. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I have posted some of the stuff he's been posting on Instagram lately. Like I think the FBI rebranded FBI um, yeah. is like advocating is like telling people why they should help them um, inform, I guess. Identify people. Yeah. 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 And, uh, uh, and were people really upset about that? Well, pe- people in the comments um, were like, some people were like, uh, is this real? And then some, some, somebody was like, uh, I'm 90% sure this is real. They're just being really open now. And then, uh, some, then some people came in to like kind of ruin the game and just uh, say who it is. And then someone thanks that yeah. person. Like it's this uh, duty. It's very um, unfortunate, <laughs> unfun. Yeah, the internet is very weird at the moment yeah um and tumblr is in an interesting space where it's like uh it's it exists um and it's uh seeming to become more active than than it than it was when it lost like a third of its fault of mm-hmm. its uh users um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I use it just as kind of a personal archive for myself. And I like to just post things so that I can look back on it later, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's basically what it's come become for me. But I have noticed that it's, it's you know, starting to become a platform that a lot more people are using again. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's because it's it's mostly images and videos and not so much text and people yelling at each other and getting mad. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've, I saw like a, I've seen people talking about it as sort of uh, a respite um, from Twitter. Uh, Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And it's funny because I guess a lot of um, woke culture comes from Tumblr initially, at least Mm -hmm. that seemed to be where it was developing and then it kind of went into the wider world and now it's um yeah maybe not as much that but um mm-hmm. um yeah it's gotten a little i mean it feels less uh wild westy i guess in terms of you know it seems like they crack down on what you could post and all that type of stuff so i don't know yeah yeah, and that's kind of like, uh, um, I'm not sure that their automated thing works anymore. I think maybe it's still oh, yeah. like reportage based at, this, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, some stuff gets through. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so you you you're like interested in drawing, but you, you do you draw even even though it doesn't like necessarily become something you show. Um, I just kind of got in back into it. I guess like I, you know, I grew up drawing, and that's you know was one of the main things that I did for a long time. Just because you're you know you're a young kid drawing and stuff, and that's you know art classes in high school and such. But um, it's I don't know, I got into it at the beginning of all this, the pandemic or whatever you want to call it. And 
it was just something to kind of change my switch my brain up you know get out of a comfort zone i was also not in new york um i was in texas and so i kind of separated from the things that i had um had previously been using so i don't know i just gave it a shot and it was nice it's fun it's, it's a nice kind of meditative thing i don't know if i would show anything that i make but yeah i think Do you have a like a daily drawing practice uh i uh yeah i i do pro i do draw every day um mm -hmm. like i'm drawing right now i guess or i started oh, drawing yeah. just just talking about it um, uh -huh. yeah it um it's um uh yeah i've just always done it so it's um it's hard to, I mean, it's, it's good. It's a good thing. I, I guess I'm always trying to um, not, I'm always trying to make it different for myself. Um, How so? Like challenging or what do you mean? Like, it would be great if I made something that I couldn't recognize as my own, but that's oh, very yeah. hard to do. So, um, I don't know, everyone holds their pencil a certain way. And even when I'm mm -hmm. holding it in a different way or like holding it, like, like closing my eyes or something, I feel like there's so many marks that are just like saved and uh, brought out. Um, right now it feels good. What, huh. why do you think that is? Do you think it's a sensibility question or just like a, a rote muscle memory thing or I'm just trying to think about how you do that how you make something that you wouldn't recognize as your own yeah in the present moment I can see something like you know finding something in a drawer or whatever something you made years ago like I don't even remember drawing that that doesn't look like something that I would draw but yeah 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 I think I mean I think part of it is Part of these frustrations that I have are like um, un until something is shown by some other party, it's always kind of unfinished. And then if that doesn't happen for a while or something, they can just sort of, I'll just like keep doing, some, you know, there's like a danger of like maybe if I keep drawing on this piece of paper it'll like finish itself. But the only way it'll finish itself actually is like publication or showing. So hmm. after a while- Cause it's it, out of your hands? Yeah, at least that's like my experience is like uh, when I've like shown some painting and stuff, it uh, suddenly it's finished and it's like, I can see it as an image. Mm -hmm. and, and then um, before then it's always in kind of flux and uh, it almost at a certain point just seems like used paper. Like I can't use this anymore. So it's frustrating. Um, yeah. I had this other thing like this, this, you know, I had an obsession with the way images were distributed. And in a couple of shows I did a couple of years ago, I did this thing where 
I would photograph the show in different, like all the work within the space in different orientations. And then that would be the documentation. Mm. So it wasn't an actual replica of, or like a, you know, it, it wasn't a one-to-one. It wasn't like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. You know, if you, you would see it online and then go see it in person, there's a possibility that it'd be different. Yeah. And I like thinking about this idea of the documentation images not having their own autonomy and also not being like in favor of just showing you what had, you know what it was I guess yeah thinking yeah. about it as extra material that you could use or I was thinking about it as like a secondary primary experience yeah yeah so it's interesting when you talk about it kind of you know a painting or a drawing um stopping once it gets exhibited I was trying to maybe do the opposite where um maybe the the you know the images wouldn't match up with the with what you had seen or what you had thought of as the show so they become something different and I also some of my paintings don't have orientations and so you could hang them horizontally or vertically in four different ways and so I like the idea of then them possibly getting photographed in a space that I didn't myself set up so that they would come back to me with new information. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Because I, um, I was trying to think about just how how something can, how an object can retain its autonomy in that way. Yeah, I, I like- uh, But there yeah. is something like of once it leaves the studio, it's kind of done. You know, there's no possibility for you to kind of take it back a lot of times and work on it. Or you can, I mean, there's no rules, but. Right. It seems like, uh, it seems like uh, the photographing um, online part is like a way of continuing it, but something, something separate. Um, mm -hmm. It's life as image. I like that. Yeah. I, I don't really like straight archived stuff yep. as much, or I definitely understand like being wanting to make that process more interesting. Um, a lot of times I prefer, a lot of times I prefer um, consuming paintings online. Um, oh yeah. Yeah to um how come i think the amount i i really like the uh which is really uh like it's um not very respectful for the artist in terms of um it, it it's definitely do, like the the it's the uh it's the image situation of where you can consume just so many images at um so quickly and kind of have this gestalt experience, like uh, what happens when, you, when you're looking at a lot of images that um, like maybe someone's, just all of the images someone has. And uh, um, yeah, maybe that's, yeah, why I enjoy Tumblr so much is that like massive consumption of, of them. And then like the way in which they're all, um, they seem kind of up for use to um, mm -hmm. uh, autonomy 
they're all like the same, like the scale thing kind of disappears and uh, some interesting th things happen with that. Like drawings are the same size as paintings and photographs, yeah, they all kind absolutely. of are suddenly in the same, they're suddenly the same type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I like what that allows me to do. I, I, um, it gets, it's, it puts them on kind of like, yeah, that takes away a hierarchy and kind of um, lets you think, at least think about them on the same plane or without that hierarchy, you know? Yeah, it's like, um, it, yeah, it definitely, it allows you to kind of think, like right now I'm, I'm like um, doubting myself or wondering if this is like more of a, of like an earlier, if I'm really just talking about something I felt when I was younger, but um, the, the viewer seems to have a little bit more kind of of an edge over the, the creator and it might allow them to, like, I feel like taking in all this information, um, one could then like write about this like, um, like easily move around these cultural objects uh, in order to write about them um, where you're not, there's less of a, you're less um, overwhelmed by, by them, by like the power of scale or of, um, mm -hmm. um, all of those quite like, yeah, beautiful, intense experiences, but, uh, um, but which like can strike you dumb, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, like being in a church. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess, the, I mean, I was trying, I, I never really placed an emphasis on either. Like I never said I like it better this way or that way. I kind of mm -hmm. was just wondering about the, the possibilities of both, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, that seems you know, like I never a thought about healthy the- Healthy way. That seems like a healthy attitude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's benefits to both, right? Like if you start to think about the, the images not being just strictly documentation, like there's, uh, they're also material to use or to learn from or to you know um do different things with you know um yeah they're made of light and they're ultra thin portable yeah exactly um, they also break down which is interesting yeah on which format yeah. they're in i guess i love the way that uh, so, i guess memes have taken advantage of that like that way of um producing materiality like those purposefully yeah yeah um messed up ones crispy uh -huh. yeah i um, love that yeah yeah i love a good degraded image because <laughs> there's i feel like there's you know if you're looking at it through like an archival situation you can't really tell what's going on especially if we're talking about art shows or what have you you're like this image is so pixelated i can't tell what's going on so you you leave yourself to speculation to a certain extent yeah. Hey, could I just pause this for a second? Yeah. I just I'll be right back. All right, hold on. Give me one second.
Rouge, 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 rouge. Rouge, 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 rouge. Hey, sorry about that. You still could be what we talk about in some way yeah uh-huh. um I, I was thinking like um i had some interesting experiences with well the, yeah the other day i was um i was making like a voice memo because so i have i have uh i i do that i guess as kind of diary sort of thing and um mm -hmm. and then i went directly from that i think to um just uh like ending it and then um thinking to myself and then writing an email and then uh after sending it seemed like I, I, I was like uh, confused about what was like out loud and what was um, written and what was thought. It all seemed like it uh -huh. could have been all of that. Um, like it could have all been spoken maybe. Um, huh. yeah. I thought about recording yeah, because I, I have that practice that practice and we're currently recording and uh, uh -huh. and then your a big part of your blog is like or a part of your blog is is posting music. Um, mm -hmm. 
noise. Yeah. Um, do you play music at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, do you? What's that? Uh, I, I was saying, do you? What kind of uh, music do you play or instrument? I feel as if, I mean, it's like on a technical, like technically, like um, this morning I was um, doing things in GarageBand. I, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had like, um, um, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's not something I, I, I share really, or feel that I am necessarily good at, but, um, mm -hmm. but I do spend time on it. Like this thing is like, um, this thing is, what would this be? This is like, this is like, a looped bass line from um, uh, who's the who's the oh yeah um, the person who did um, Goodbye Horses <laughs> uh, Q Lazarus oh uh, Q Lazarus yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, from one of her demos for one of her other unpublished you know songs which is really um, kind of. I felt like this was like just the good part of the song. This, yeah. And then uh, there's like a recording of Gary Indiana, um, the writer, and he's mm -hmm. saying something about infected eyes, dissected eyes. That's repeated over and over. And um, then, I don't know, it's just, there's some bongos. <laughs> <laughs> So you just like uh, like uh, freestyling it in terms of like oh well I think I'll put some bongos in here maybe that would mm. sound good is that well is no that I I think doing? I I kind of it um well except for except for those two sampled things the other things are played uh, there's also harmonica I played harmonica on this it I guess it's supposed <laughs> to be an invocation of uh, the last place that I was living at which is uh, on Sunset Boulevard in East Hollywood in a, in a, a old painting studio. And it was very, um, it's very sort of, um, mm, there's like, a, it's like a, a kind of a swanky kind of lowly, um, place uh beneath yeah. the beneath the observatory like overlooked by the observatory uh yeah. a lot of um a lot of uh it, it's the like main artery of the city so the constantly uh there was like the, like ambulances and stuff would use that um like nightly um oh, to get yeah. to get anywhere um yeah and uh there's like a hookah lounge um on the, on the first floor and so there's like this waft wafting uh scent um <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh yeah kind of a kind of a dark but funny place um yeah 
So I think that I was trying to get um, a sound of that down. I, I think I can do certain things quite, uh, I can wing things quite well, except um, song structure I can't really do. So it's like, uh, or I don't really understand it or haven't studied it. So it's, it kind of, it's incredibly repetitive. Uh, it, it stays in the same, it just like mounts and then ends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? That's um, cool. I mean, do I play music? Yeah. No, but um, it's weird because I was trying to think about this the other day that I, it's not that I don't have a desire to try and play any music and it, you know, I would definitely do something like what you're talking about, either doing kind of like sound collage or field recording or, you know, digital manipulation. Yeah. But I've never really had a desire to like play a guitar or something, but music has been such a driving factor in my life that it's, it's this, I don't know. I, I wonder if maybe I like being, having something that I'm separated from that I can kind of observe, but I don't have any skin in the game, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? So I don't know. It's it's weird that I, you know, I'm an artist, but I've never dabbled in making music. Yeah, I feel very impressed by. I don't know why that is. I feel very impressed by music, like uh, like any sort of anyone who can kind of do anything on it with it is sort yeah. of very very impressive to me in a way that like absolutely drawing isn't, I guess, but um, mm -hmm. but I definitely like. Uh, yeah, I've spent a lot of uh, time time with musicians, like more than other people, more than visual artists, yeah. I guess too. Mm -hmm. I love I love um, the sense of performance, and like I hope that it rubs off on my static objects or images. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, liveliness or uh, channeling, uh, mm -hmm. beautiful thing to be around. Um, I kind I kind of do enjoy that I'm um, that I can't understand it totally um, yeah. te technically. Um, mm -hmm. That's definitely one thing I miss about all this stuff being closed down is not being able to see live music. Yeah. I, um, you know, do you have any like traditional? Thing. Do you have any theories on how? um when we can when we do have live music like our performance what will change like how that oh will yeah feel? i don't hmm i mean cool. i feel like people are going to be a little skeptical about doing it i'm sure there will be people that will dive in as soon as possible but i don't know it feels like people are going to be hesitant about going and hanging out especially indoors you know yeah. Uh, for a while, I don't know. But as far as what that will do to the music, I, I wonder, I mean, that could be a cool generative thing. You know, something new might, and exciting might come out of that, who knows? Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't imagine, but I, I feel as if it must be different. Um, yeah. There must be this kind of like, um, there's like an obvious like value. I guess I'm imagining like um, in some kind of like 
I mean, you're right, of course, that it's going to be like this kind of trickle thing. Where I was like imagining, like, what if it was uh, this thing that it won't be, which is like um, immediately back. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, this, there's like, I guess the, the obvious thing is like value, but then um, maybe the less obvious thing is like a kind of awkwardness and and uh, kind of um, preoccupation um, with being on stage, with uh, being around other people. Um, whether that might look like seven, like the kind of this, that sort, that sort of preoccupation with the, with the body and move, moving around each other that characterize like 70s performance art or something like that um i mean i think that that's a that's a sentiment that i know a lot of my friends have that they miss live music a lot and so i wonder if the necessity to see live music whatever that entails whether it's being around people while there's some kind of sonic unifier i guess or what have you or I'm sure that the necessity for that feeling might you know invent something new and be exciting some new way of, I don't know what that could be, but just thinking hopefully, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see, I don't know, but I'm not sure like Zoom concerts are gonna cut it. No, 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 no. I remember like a initial like um, excitement with like my publisher to, um, to like debut like the, uh, the like a, a, a virtual venue and like um, trying to do that before everyone else. Um, but then once it started showing up, it just felt so weak that, um, yeah, it was, it was immediately not very exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's seeing a live band and then having like the Zoom glitch out or something it's just it you are automatically brought back to being like oh i'm watching this through the computer you know it's not the same it's i don't know yeah yeah there's um have you ever looked at um much like vr stuff like vr chat not a lot i mean i played some video games and stuff in it but not no i haven't what is there I assume there's a, a whole wide world of VR opening up at the moment. There is like VR chat, which is a chat program that um, allows like um, very customizable avatars. Um, and for a little while I was obsessed with videos of, of VR chat, people, people playing it because yeah. there was a lot of, um, um, I think it, it, a lot of people had like a lot of fun with, um, like their, their models, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I could see that just resulting in some kind of role play or, you know, characters outside of themselves, like they're really creative avatars or what have you. It, it feels as if like, is that what you mean? Well, I, well, I think the way that it, um, I mean, uh, yeah, but I think 
a lot of what I was seeing was like uh, people laughing a lot. Like um, I think the experience of being in it and then seeing someone ridiculous while having that like, like it, it uh, just people just like were laughing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it seemed like a very like um, maybe 4chan sort of world or something. That has something to do with the user base too. But um, yeah, it sounds like Second Life, but yeah, VR maybe. But it's it's like festive, I guess. It feels like like festive, like. And then after, I think that initial wave of of people just like in this novel novelty that like tickled them. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, a lot of the videos anyway, like the the that garner that attract a lot of views on YouTube are like people talking about um, like their loneliness and um, are there like really intense traumatic experiences or uh, like being in the Man, military, yeah. military. But then like their um, avatar is like Pooh Bear or um, something like that. Like yeah. um, some pop culture character. And then they're just like kind of breaking down about how like they never got close to their dad, and um, wow, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've I've been thinking about that kind of what I don't know if that's a byproduct of the internet or what have you, and it kind of connects with thinking about music and thinking back in early like when Trump first got elected. This is maybe an aside, but a friend of mine said that he was really excited about. Uh, Trump being elected, but only for the fact that there was going to be really good music made. Like, uh, and he was relating it to when Reagan was elected, and there was a lot of good punk music coming out. Yeah. And uh, and then you know I was like, all right, cool, that I'm into that as well. But it didn't seem like that actually happened. Yeah. And it just seemed like a lot of people doing what you were talking about is you know airing their traumas and and uh or being angry or what have you and you know I, definitely i think that you know if that's beneficial to somebody in terms of airing out your your traumas and such and you're comfortable with that then that's it's all good but it's interesting that that's what it resulted in rather than uh, a collective creative output based off of anger you know yeah yeah um I think I had like a similar, well, I had like a, um, I, I felt, I felt, and uh, maybe I still feel that like, um, I, I didn't feel, I mean, I had hope or something, but I, I think I didn't feel like that was going to happen and, and, it, I, and it didn't. Um, but then um, I guess I feel like uh, the, you know, coronavirus a plague or something that has um i don't know renaissance came after the black plague <laughs> true <laughs> but like looking yeah for once we uh, uh... <laughs> the right kind of the right kind of terrible um experience um yeah yeah maybe once we get past this double whammy of a situation that we're in mm -hmm. at the moment it'll be 
a little more productive or and not that that's not to say that nothing exciting has happened or come out of this or what have you there definitely has been but yeah yeah i guess um i guess i think podcasting is the most interesting thing in the last couple of years yeah um, long form podcasting has been really interesting yeah these like 13 hour um marathons yeah it's like yeah yeah um and like uh, um a lot of the kind of the things left over from radio um that went into podcasting seem to have it seems to yeah i mean to have gone away like um vestigial like things like the programming block where it's like an hour or something it seems like people realized yeah. they could go as long as they want and mm -hmm. um and i also really enjoy um dead space or dead you know um is that what it's called dead air like dead air yeah dead air yeah. Is, is good can be good um what do you mean in terms of podcasting or in terms of just i i feel as if you, i don't i don't follow it okay i feel like um i feel like some of the some of the podcasts that i listen to are sort of fine with with um they're so kind of informal mm -hmm. um and some of them but they don't always have to be yeah like they don't have to always be on or whatever and i think like mm -hmm. in in other kinds of broadcasting or you know previous waves of of podcasting that sound more like radio shows um that's very much um controlled and avoided but i've always loved when it broke down like when when a conversation goes awkwardly <laughs> that's yeah. that's great um I, I think that like for a little while i was really interested in stand-up comedy because of that potential for to die mm -hmm. Uh -huh. um to die on stage and and I, I saw some of some of that happening which is and it's just uh, amazing it's such a such a uh such a powerful effect on like the nervous system uh, to see someone it's struggle bombing on stage you mean yeah, yeah 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 like uh especially like yeah comedy it's like you're trying to do something so you're doing something uh however you're doing it um it, it seems like you are trying to get a specific you are specifically trying to get laughs and and then when that doesn't materialize when you're unable to give them that it's so um it's so intense um and i, yeah, I, I can't I, even imagine this. i i recall a Sorry, guy, go ahead. I, uh there was this guy uh at this at this um, bookstore comedy event who um, he was like the last guy of the night. And I guess he was like someone who would regularly go there. And, um, and he was like, this was a few years ago. Um, 
before I was really aware of this anxiety, but he, um, he was talking about automation, about um, humans being displaced by machines. Um, mm-hmm. And um, he, was, um, he was ultimately sincere. Like he uh, decided to use this comedy night to, um, to talk about his fears and to sort of try to commiserate with people. Um, like uh, he thought that maybe we're like the last generation of humans because of, because of artificial intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. And, but the, in his case, um, partly I think some of his manners were like, they came from comedy so that he ended up being funny anyway. Plus the context itself added this layer of humor so that when he kept like going, I'm not joking, um, I, I'm, I'm being sincere, um, I'm, I'm like scared. Uh, people kept laughing and stuff. Yeah. That was That's an interesting way to go around it, I guess. It's an yeah. interesting setup for what might ultimately be a joke, right? Like, yeah, yeah. AI doesn't necessarily lend itself to nuance or um, the complexity that humor uh, requires, you know, the uh, meaning the like the complexity of interpretation and context that uh, mm-hmm. that comedy really inc- requires, you know, you can say the joke in one room and it will fall flat and in another room in a different context, it'll, it'll be a hit. So I wonder if like that, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if it was a setup overall for him or if he was just airing out his, you know, worries. But it's an interesting thing to think about. Like the comedy itself would combat the thing that he's worried about. Yeah, I think you're you're right. I think um, comedy would be it would be like one of the harder things to uh, to see AI getting a handle on, um, <laughs> getting good at. Uh, AI is getting pretty good at making images. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Are you worried about that at all? Um, I mean, I could see, I could, I mean, I could see like um, directing it maybe in an interest in you know an interesting way it's like a, like a like a tool again i guess before it um directs itself i i i really liked uh, for a while i was really into yeah deep fakes and uh oh yeah yeah and especially like the like fake voices um are really just i guess amusing uh Mm-hmm. Like I listened to like Ayn Rand and uh, Sajay Zizek singing Barbie Girl. Um, that was good. And uh, the quintessential internet right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Martin Luther King um, reading, um, uh, delivering a Malcolm X speech and vice versa. Um, um, 
I guess in that sense, I don't worry about AI necessarily. I worry about the effects of people believing it or not, like with the deep fake thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what that will entail rather than them becoming our, you know, uh, you know, our overlords, our digital overlords or something. I worry about people, people's uh, responses and interpretations of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how you, yeah, that's like the a huge problem, obviously, like verification of, of, mm-hmm. of almost anything um, at this point. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of exciting though, I don't know. I, it's it's also I don't know it's depressing as well and you know uh, it's also something that people talk about as if it's going to happen in the future and that it's not happening now when it actually is happening now yeah yeah so. um, yeah I wonder about with that added tool that added like application. Because it feels as if um, the even without yeah even without being able to like fabricate a scene um, uh, inform just uh, information primary documents or like just con- context um, cutting things. Um, is incredibly effective at creating an impression, uh, controlling narrative for yeah. different groups, um, uh, groups which oppose each other um, mm-hmm. constantly. <sighs> I just think it's um, it's become like a, uh, the weaknesses have been exposed, I guess, with people, you know, and then the, it's easy to manipulate people's outrage basically yeah yeah right now and that's how it's kind of they're controlling us rather than you know other ways that people thought they were going to yeah yeah I, i'm thinking about did you um i watched like a video of like uh first person video of of one of the um people who stormed the Capitol. um no i didn't watch that there's this part where the the cameraman they like enter into some of like the kind of great halls of the capitol and um Mm -hmm. he looks up at like this great domed of the ceiling and it's very very beautiful it's like shot in 4k Mm -hmm. and and he's like remarking at like just how how beautiful it is and um and then he keeps um, he keeps saying like, "Is this real? Is this real life?" And and then and then he's like asserting this to everyone. He's like, "Hey, everyone, this is real. This is real life." And and people are like, "Yeah, yeah, it, it this is real." <laughs> he's, they, he seems completely uh, yeah disoriented and 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 unsure of um, of his reality. Um, 
Yeah. What? Weird. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember if it was on a podcast or if I read it somewhere, but it, they were also saying that, you know, they were getting, most of the people that were there were getting updates from other people that were there, but not through like talking to them, but reading it on in Twitter or other social media sites like in real time so there was this other like I don't know you, you know there was still this like connection to I guess if you want to call it a digital space or uh, distribution of information that wasn't there the person next to them yeah which also seems like it it would add to that that layer of is this real life what's going on yeah kind of feeling you know yeah interesting i mean and, that whole thing was ridiculous but yeah it's like a uh yeah it um feels like largely like a flash mob or something i feel like people were lost yeah people didn't know yes, what they absolutely. were doing and kind of the I think the the amount of people is is uh, what gave it power I guess mm-hmm. yeah um, it, it was also like I, I think he was like yeah overwhelmed I guess just to bring it back to um, that idea of art in person um, overwhelmed by by like architectural beauty and and uh-huh. uh, uh, they didn't really like harm the statues or anything like uh, they were unable to it seems um, bring themselves to um, <laughs> once in the presence of it um, well, that's interesting I guess I never really thought about it like that hmm wonder if any of them were brought to tears by the um, the beauty of the capital. Yeah. Um, I had like an idea to like read, like um, maybe just read text that is like around, like around me. Read text um, that is around you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right. So, you want to so, do a little like lightning round response? <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I, uh, yeah, is that, um, sorry, right. yeah, okay. So, I'm just gonna read, uh, I went back to my hotel room, and despite now approaching a sixth night of sleeplessness, simply could not switch off. The adrenaline was way too potent. At 4.30 p.m. as my only hope of catching some rest, I took a sleeping aid and set the alarm for 7.30 p.m. when I knew Guardian editors in New York would be coming online. That day, Janine got online early. We exchanged congratulations and marveled at the reaction to the article. Instantly, it was obvious that the tone of our exchange had changed radically. We had just navigated a significant journalistic challenge together. Janine was proud of the article and I was proud of her resistance to government bullying and her decision to publish the piece. 
the guardian had fearlessly, admirably come through. Although it had seemed at the time that there was substantial delay, it was clear in retrospect that the guardian had moved forward with remarkable speed and boldness, more so I'm certain than any news venue of comparable size and stature would have done. And Janine was now clear that the paper had no intention of resting on its laurels. Alan is insistent that we publish Prism today, she said. I, of course, could not have been happier. What made the Prism revelation so important was that the program allowed the NSA to obtain virtually anything it wanted from the internet companies that hundreds of millions of people around the world now use as their primary means to communicate. This move was made possible by the laws that the US government had implemented in the wake of 9-11 which vested the NSA with sweeping powers to survey um, Americans and with virtually unlimited authority to carry out indiscriminate mass surveillance of entire foreign populations. Yeah, there's that. Was that in response to uh, the Capitol, the events of the Capitol? Or was that? It happens to be what was near, but it, uh, this is actually uh, Glenn Greenwald's book about um, Snowden, Breaking uh, the Snowden yeah. Story. All right, because I was thinking about how sometimes, you know, the, the same, same concerns happen to be at both sides, but it doesn't, you don't hear, I don't know, I'm just, I, sometimes it thinks, it feels like the, the sides, if you want to look at it that way, are closer than the they say they are or think they are, you know? So in that sense, that could be applicable to somebody at that was at the Capitol that day or what have you. Does that make sense? Like as a, as a motivation, you mean, or? Yeah, people's concerns aren't, um, despite the differences, they, maybe some, some of their concerns aren't all that different. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, uh, but maybe that could be just me, the segue between, you know, what we were talking about before and then, you know, you, you reading that. So, yeah, I'm interested in like connections by like, there's this little like proximity of texts and then there's things that have happened and then there's like language and we can um, find things when we put things together. Uh, trying to break, I don't know, just um, you were saying- Trying to break what? Oh, just trying to break like, uh, I, I, um, I don't know, I feel like I can do that. Like I've, uh, or I've, I've, I've done something like this before where, um, or I read this way, I guess, a lot of things at once and um, open up and find things, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and perhaps it's a way of breaking out um, or it resembles Burroughs thing too. Um, Just the cut up kind of nature of it. Yeah. Um, Although with like technological changes and 
I mean, maybe this is not so different. Like this is like a phone call basically and some books. I, I feel as you if- have another, like, You have another quote? Sure, I'll um, grab something. What were you saying though? You feel like what? Oh, I, I um, it's just like looking at someone's bookshelf too or whatever, or like mm. w what texts are in a room uh, end up being like a portrait of the person. Um, I have a bag that says all things college. It's like a college um, shopping bag, plastic bag. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean, all things college? Yeah, it's, it's very beautiful. It's like black text on white. And there's like a, the font is good. Um, I have this um, Hollywood Press um, free periodical from 2020, which is- What's um, Hollywood Press? So Hollywood Press is, um, they, they distribute these free news. They're like, it's like made on newspaper um, throughout Hollywood, particularly East Hollywood. Um, and it's, what it really is, what it really is, is um, like escort services and- Oh yeah. Like listings, um, meet exciting singles. But, uh, but I think for legal reasons, and this is what makes it great, one of the things that makes it great is um, for legal reasons, it has to pretend to be a newspaper. So- Oh yeah. It like has, so like on the, it's like folded in half. And so on the top, there's like um, a model, a woman, and um, which is very, like a very fun point picture. Um, and then on the, on the other side of the fold, it's like um, Trump and Pelosi in profile facing each other, like against each other, 2020 Trump versus Pelosi. And then there's like, a few articles that bring it in that are like poorly written articles about politics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they have staff writers. What's that? I wonder if they have staff writers. Yeah. Then they don't have like, uh, they don't list the authors on any of these, um, <laughs> any of these articles here. Um, and yeah, that takes up half of it before it can go into um, the classified section. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm looking at it right now, Hollywood Press. Oh yeah. I like the logo for the yeah. star. Are you looking at the website? Because I think they- No, I'm just looking at the image search. Post like the first, they post like the last uh, cover girl. And it's usually the color oh, yeah. pretty good. Like they'll usually have like a bright color background. Yeah, this one's bright red for the woman in like lingerie. Yeah. Just such a funny thing. Such a like a um 
this loophole this like absurd obviousness mm -hmm. um and they're yeah they're everywhere over there they're selling everything there's the job services sales and rent there's the elvis singer and lookalike oh yeah they do they for do, booking do, you uh, can get that lookalikes yeah um there's a viagra ad right next to uh tom smog and auto problems Interesting. Yeah, i'm looking at i'm looking at tom's in in my physical copy from last year oh, yeah. smog. maria's reglazing jim morrison is back impressionist um hair treatment no yeah. scarring no stitching no pain there's a viagra ad that's just it just says viagra in big words and it says for sale for the digit for sale and then just a, a number yeah <laughs> that's a wild thing that's just that's wild i can't imagine people seeing this thing like, i'm gonna give this i gotta i gotta call these people it seems like a legit way to get viagra yeah 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 Loose alligator rescued from Maryland pond. Uh, lost dog reunited with owner 12 years later, a thousand miles away in Pittsburgh. And then that's all next to like open late Pasadena free table shower. Oh, and the yeah, horoscopes on the back. How oh, perfect. What are you? Are you, uh, I don't even know. I don't know horoscope that but. What are you? I'm a Capricorn. Oh, so it was your birthday recently, or it's coming up? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a couple days ago. Oh, happy birthday! Related. Thank you. Uh, yeah, what are what are you? I can look I'm at your Sagittarius. Horoscope. Okay, Sagittarius. Yeah. Okay. Um, this. I mean, I guess this would be true in like last year sometime, but maybe it's still true. Um, All right. Events over which you seem to have no control seem to be coming together to make things happen for you. You might find this a bit frightening, but don't let it get to you. Go with the flow. You've worked hard for what's happening today and you deserve to enjoy the results. The exhilaration you feel can manifest as abundant physical energy. This could be too much of a good thing. Don't overdo. So. All right. Keep that in that. mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have any text around you? Do you have a book? Um, Are you, uh, was that like um, some dice? Was that, no, that was me breathing, but, uh, I started this book called Wool. Have you heard of it? It's this kind of dystopian novel about some people in a silo. Uh, who's it by? Uh, Hugh Howie. No, I don't know. So it's, uh, it's all right. It's I thought it was going to be better, um, but I I, I kind of bought it on a whim because somebody said it was good, and it's you know keeping my attention enough to to finish it, but it's not doing anything crazy. Um, cool. Why, why did you get it? Like you thought, 
Someone told you it was good? I kind of, someone told me it was good and I have, you know, an affinity to kind of dystopian novels for whatever reason. And, you know, I figured why not lean in and times are weird right now. So might as well read a dystopian novel about people stuck in a silo underground. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting, actually, in terms of how they, they're building the world within this silo, and it's 144 floors down, and uh, the only outside world contact that they have is through digital screens. So that's interesting, I think. And the way that they talk about the different levels, obviously being different levels of hierarchy within a society. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think there was a movie with similar ideas that came out like last year or something. Oh, really? Um, I just heard about it. Yeah. But, but. Well, there's that book or that comic and then the, they turned it into a movie and now I think it's a TV show, but Snowpiercer. Right. Kind of the basic premise, you know, everybody's stuck in this vessel, I guess, if you will, that they can't leave and then they're, it's, of a certain length and they there are different social hierarchies within that and all the people that are in the back are the the lower class people and all the front all the people in the front are the higher class people and that's how it goes like the lower down in the silo you are the lower you are yeah yeah in society i mean so i don't know maybe a cliche they have to fight their way up do they have to fight their way up uh or can they just move they just like it's not like a it's not like um of like a like do they use like the lower class people as like gladiators um or is that not really the way this works no not that extreme it's more of like um this you can within this world they shadow people so you can become something different than you were like you can shadow this job so you can move up or down depending on what you have a proclivity towards, I guess, like whatever activity. And so in, in this, there's a woman, she is, uh, she's a mechanical, she works in mechanical, like uh, working on, you know, engines and such. And then she gets uh, recruited to be the sheriff. And then that kind of goes haywire for her. So she's like moving up, but then there's people that are against her in, in the IT department. So you gotta read it. <laughs> oh, I gotta okay. Oh, ruin it. Okay. Yeah, you are right. Wool. I'll write it down on my drawing. All right. Um, are you reading anything? I have like uh um I have this Zizek book here that I started reading called Event. Oh yeah, which one? Event. Oh yeah, I'm not familiar with it. Um, yeah, it's a bit like um, I was trying to think of that word, or I have been trying to think of just a, around that word for a little while, and so I was hoping that this would would do it. But um, I feel as if, uh, and I like some of the references he, he makes. I think he talks about um, melancholia, the movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, doesn't he love that movie? It makes sense, but it's new. It's new to me that that he loves it. Um, 
Yeah. We talked about that in other things. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I, I thought like uh, I I don't didn't remember hearing him talk about it, so I thought oh this is nice like new new reference, but um, I think in here he talks about yeah something that sounds very like typically Zizakian, um, where in that movie the depressed character is actually um is actually like she well she's adapted she has the right uh in that moment in in the moment of the end of the world um she has the right attitude like this all makes sense to her she's like um she's not crazy or because the world is ending um and so is it about just how an individual or people respond to an event is that what the book is about or how um i feel as if um like he uses this word eventful like um like I think he describes Christianity as having an eventful uh, nature because it's based around, um, I guess, particularly the the event of the crucifixion. Um, um, but now, as I'm trying to like put this together, I feel as if I've I've lost the um, I've lost the line. Um, like he he's using it to talk about um, I guess like events like um, when when things like uh, are not quite like um, they're not quite the um, they haven't emerged yet as event and there's something very there's like its peak. There's like uh, to hear square. Um, Allied invasion of France. And so, what is he saying? Have you you haven't read the book yet? No. I've I've read so, the first few chapters. Um, yeah. I think, so what is he trying to to how does he define evental? I think that he uh compares Buddhism, uh contrasts Buddhism to Christianity as as a as not an evental religion um hmm. Hmm. yeah because he places these like particular kind of like limit breaks breaks in um in christianity of um death and resurrection um and i think he compares that to 
Buddhism sort of like um, constancy, a quality of sameness or regularity. Mm. Resurrection is only in the, in Christianity is only in one instance, right? Uh, I think um, Lazarus gets resurrected. Um, but I, I don't think that's like a quite, uh, I feel as if, are, are you religious? No, not at all. I didn't grow up with it at yeah. all. And I don't, you know, I don't know what I believe, so to speak, but it's interesting to think about, I mean, so I don't know if I can't speak on the, on the Bible or or Buddhist beliefs, but um, it is interesting to think about like, if that is the only, I guess, consequential resurrection within the Bible, mm-hmm. how that would would uh, shape beliefs through Christianity, you know? Yeah. I guess I was thinking about um, this class in undergrad that I took, it was about basically the American West and how, you know, we started with thinking about um, landscape paintings and how people kind of interpreted the sublime through like, um, you know, whether it was Caspar David Friedrich, thinking about the unknown uh, or, you know, some of the Hudson River School painters just painting like pictures of immense beauty uh, throughout the Hudson River Valley and things like that. And then how, you know, we kind of have since centered our, uh, you know, identity as Americans around this kind of idea of the American West being uh, settled and what have you. And and then we got on to eventually like what what sublime is now, you know, like what the idea of sublime is and um, that being basically the other destruction of us as a humanity, mostly through something like an event, like a, um, you know, an asteroid hitting the earth or just something, something catastrophic happening, I guess, is as the definition mm-hmm. as the only thing that we have left now uh, for the sublime, something that, you know, we wouldn't take for granted. We wouldn't, you know, and so that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about uh, the melancholia, you know, the final scene in that and like what that, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just riffing, but yeah, I guess I'm thinking about like the event in in painting of uh, abstract expressionism, which is like destruction. Um, or I think of that particular mm-hmm. narrative of uh, I um, in that movie Painters Painting. Oh yeah, where um, I think. Um, Someone, I think maybe Barnett Newman was talking about how oh, yeah. the problem, the problem with Americans is they is uh, with, that they they were trying to uh, create an American an American painting and, and they couldn't figure out what the subject matter should be, um, and then like the uh, the big step is like paint itself um, or like no subject. Um, he was he was speaking like toward those landscape paintings as uh, like as um, 
as quaint or or uh, as uh, like in a negative. Yeah. Um, hmm. Hmm. And then like I'll disaster. Go back and watch movies. that. Lots of disaster movies, right, in the 90s and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's, like, what, yeah. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I guess I'd like to see the opposite now or something. Some some sort of, like, uh, yeah. I, I feel as if I'm I'm lately, like, my own tastes have been, largely kind of like post uh, like second half of the 20th century for so long, um, like novels that are like deconstructive in some way or um, a repudiation of like a, the, what, the no, what the novel is or, um, or of what painting are, this kind of uh, clapback, I guess. and. Uh, and now I'm finding myself a little bit more interested in um, kind of foundational or like older, older stuff. I'm reading like older novels, Russian novels. Um, yeah, like what? Uh, right now I, I started reading uh, The Possessed by Dostoevsky, which I think is like, mm -hmm. have you read that book? No. I think it's like uh, less, less, popular Dostoevsky book and it's sort of um I'm finding it comf comforting I guess because it's about publishers and patrons and young men with like um who gather together in so far gather together in, in, a, in a house that's sort of like provided uh, for them like a woman with money who's like interested in maybe publishing people in a magazine and they, they mostly get drunk and they uh, argue about political ideas. Uh, some of them are like, um, have been like uh, kind of banished from their hometowns for like one like mm -hmm. indiscretion or another, maybe like a fleeing a, a marriage or a pregnancy or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it feels very contemporary to me, I guess. It, it feels uh, a lot of the political language in particular, um, like liberal, conservative, that language is there and kind of sounds very similar. It's kind of uh, fighting. Uh, I don't know if that's, com if it, 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 it ends up being comforting, uh, even though there's an extraction from that, which is like not comforting. It's like the same fight, but um, it just mm -hmm. never ends or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah. And so what you, you were talking about painting as well. Are you looking at painters that- Right now I'm, look, uh, I'm looking at- It's comparable. Um, I guess I'm, I've been looking at Alex Katz and, uh, oh, yeah. and RB Kataj lately. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if, other than that they are like figurative painters and kind of, 
I mean, they're definitely, they're, they're 20th century. They're not that old, but, um, mm-hmm. um, but I think I'm looking at them because I'm, I'm maybe wanting something like, I'm, I'm wanting them to rub off on me a little bit in, in this comic I'm drawing. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of not, it's not totally, it's not really about consumption or whatever. It's more, I guess, work oriented. Um, hmm. Alex Katz is a, there's a video of Alex Katz painting that I really like watching. Oh, just, I mean, I don't know how long it's taking him to do it, but it's a relatively large painting, and it just he's painting with these really big brushes, and you know he does like three moves basically. He like paints the background, paints the tree, and then paints the the light on top of it that's coming through, like the the leaves and stuff. Yeah, and it's so simple and so kind of immediate and exciting, you know. I think the video is like two minutes long and obviously it took him a lot longer to paint it that, but it doesn't seem like he toiled over it and it just, I don't know. It, it's very satisfying to watch for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I love to see people watch people paint and draw. Like I wish there was um, more of it in movies or just like longer form, um, you know, shots of that for particular mm-hmm. artists just working yeah um wonder if it would translate because in in like a movie you know because it seems like it has to be some kind of emotion it can't just be this contemplative act or this like slower act it has to be yeah and it it probably accent something it probably helps to be um to be kind of large um like i think i uh yeah, I guess like the idea of seeing someone painting sounds exciting. The idea of someone drawing a comic seems very unexciting to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might be because. Mm, oh, I guess because I think comics, like at least the ones that that I'm interested in, are. Um, seem like uh are seem to be doing something like that anyway like it's uh it's kind of editing the uh like the three moves or whatever like Mm -hmm. so i think that the cartoonist a certain kind of cartoonist is like experiencing these events that they're depicting and uh the finished product is allows the uh reader to experience that themselves in a way like the the cartoonist forgets tries to forget the real-time rendering process in order to remain in the experience and then to transport the reader (laughs) into that Uh, and then it's just small it's just small and little little bit tedious compared to like the kind of wide strokes that you can do on a painting for the single image. Um. Hmm. Wonder if all this stuff is like non-translatable in a good way, you know? Um, trying to think about, you know, when you see like subculture depicted in 
in movies they don't ever really get it right right and it's um like i was thinking about the scene in hackers i just watched that <laughs> yeah for like the hundredth time with my girlfriend the other night and uh we were just talking about how funny it looked like this nightclub that they went to mm-hmm. and how kind of you know i'm sure there was or is there are places that um that people hang out like that like you know hackers or whoever hang out like that but it's it just seems so made for the screen and it doesn't seem i don't know does that make sense like it 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 still doesn't seem translatable even if you are part of that subculture you're like that's not what it would look like right right you know there's a particular like cafe in hollywood that uh, called Bourgeois Pig, and it's open late. It's open till like 3 a.m. for some reason. And uh, and it looks like that. It looks like Hackers. Or it looks like that movie with John Travolta that is also about Hackers. Stingray, maybe? Like, uh, oh, yeah. It, it looks like that, and, and it feels incredibly... It feels wrong. It feels... Um, it feels... fake. But I think it's from that period. Um, hmm. I'm gonna try and look it up. It's kind of Hollywood's kind of funny in that, um, like, it's funny how different neighborhoods uh, have, like, uh, like that neighborhood. I think never um, experienced like third wave coffee or whatever. It feels like the coffee hmm. is from the 90s like when you would call it java or something <laughs> yeah but is this the one that has a bunch of um, ornate tables and chairs and then there's the tree inside yeah there is a tree section that one's that that's yeah. kind of its own zone but like the front part makes me think of that more so there's like i don't know it's like blue and there's a lot of like Things that are painted gold for some reason. And, uh, yeah. Pack the world. Um, hey, I don't mean to uh, cut you off or anything, but I think I need to go. Alright, sounds good. I think we can wrap it up. Cool. Thanks so much for talking. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Israel. Have a have a nice yeah. day. Yeah, you as well. Alright. See ya. Bye.